Hey, wouldn't it be nice if you had a team that was in it for the long haul? But how would you define the long haul? Would it be 10 years, 20 years? How about 30 years? Does that even sound possible? It definitely is, especially with Jan Leisure of Monterey Bay Property Management. Her company has a great track record for not only employee retention, but also client retention and profitability. As a reminder, this podcast is brought to you by Four and Half. Since 2012, we have been helping property managers grow their businesses through owner marketing. From websites, SEO, content, reputation, paid ads, you name it. Visit fourandhalf.com to learn more. That's F-O-U-R-A-N-D-H-A-L-F.com. And now a quick word from today's sponsor. Now is the time to add pest coverage to your resident benefit package. CoverPest seamlessly integrates with your existing benefit package to give your tenants a world-class pest control service at a fraction of the normal price. Visit CoverPest.com today and mention this podcast to get your startup fee waived. Jan, I'm so excited because you have been a listener of the property management show for a while now. And today is special because you're actually our guest speaker. So welcome Yay. to the show. Thank you so much for having me. And so you, you actually caught our attention because um, our, our theme for this season of the podcast is something that companies are doing that's so good. Oh, Brittany's cat. All right. Yep. Aria's um, joining the... <laughs> This is Aria, Aria Stark, and she has decided to join. Um, we have two special guests today. And knock stuff off my desk, so we'll see how this goes. I'll mute myself until she departs. <laughs> and so, so Jan, um, again, welcome to our show. And um, one of the things that we wanted to tease out of you today is your absolutely amazing employee retention rate. So you told us in a previous conversation, you have employees who've been in the company for 10, 20 years. So what more is your, <laughs> or even more than that. And so what more is your 30. <laughs> 30? That's amazing. So you basically have employees that just refuse to leave. And so what is your secret? Well, we're not, we're not trying to get them to leave, certainly, but <laughs> I'm really happy that they're here all this time. Uh, but I, I do think there are a couple of things that we have done that um, enhance our employee retention. And I think one of those things is um, choosing the right person the first time, uh, hiring right at the beginning. And I don't think that that necessarily happens on you know, sites like ZipRecruiter and Indeed. And I mean, you know, you might find some great people there, but I have had not very good luck um, with that type of hiring. And I've had amazing good luck um, hiring people who are known to me in some other capacity. Uh, they are people that I've known who have the qualities that I'm looking for, the personality traits, and I just think that they fit our company culture. So a lot of times I'll hire that way. And I mean, I have, I have turned lots of um, odd sounding professions, not that the professions are odd, but odd related to property management into property managers. Um, 
I have a former golf pro on my staff. I have a former um, nail salon owner. Um, I have a former a restaurateur. Um, let's see. <laughs> there are, um, oh, I have a, a former physical therapist. So, um, you know, there's lots of things that, um, you know, don't seem to make any sense, but they, they fit our company culture and they've been highly successful. So I think choosing the right person at the beginning is a great way to start. And sometimes that person might even come from a referral from someone that I know and trust and that I know understands our company culture. So that's been highly successful. Um, the other thing that I have done over the years that has been um, very successful for me is that when I do come across the right person, I make a job for them, whether we have an opening or not. <laughs> and so that has worked well and served me well, because even though it's a little bit expensive to do that, um, that means that when we grew quickly or um, lost somebody to uh, retirement, let's say, or you know, some other reason that they had to leave the area, we were able to slide these people right in. They knew what to do already. And there was never a point where we had a job opening. And in fact, I can't even remember the last time we, when we had an opening. <laughs> Lots of times people call us and say, do you have any openings? The answer is always no. <laughs> That's great too. So it's, it's almost like you're investing in your team before, like before you have the work, knowing that you're going to get it at some point, giving you yes. the opportunity. Yeah. I really like that. Now, so, what about, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm a little frazzled since my cat attacked me and my mic is all, <laughs> um, you go first. Yeah. And so just to follow up on that statement of, you know, you find the right person, even if you don't have a quote unquote opening right then and there, you made a good job for them. Can you give an example of what kind of placeholder jobs you, you create just so you can get the right people knowing that not so far down the line, you'll have a permanent place for them? I think there's always wisdom in starting new people at the front desk. Um, practically everybody that came into the company started at the front desk. And I think the reason that works well is because they are um, on the firing line from the very beginning. And we teach them to answer the phone, find out what the person on the other end of the phone needs, and then say, do you mind holding just a moment while I find the right person to help you with that? And so even if it's the person's first day on the job, they can turn around and say, this person needs whatever. <laughs> and then there's somebody here to help them. So they, they learn how the wheels turn in the company by doing that. That's really awesome. Uh, so it's kind of like, uh, not like trial by fire, but almost like you throw it's them in the deep end, <laughs> but it's also a lot of people learn by doing. So you could yeah. give them a procedure manual or a 
checklist or whatever that they can refer to. Um, but just by listening to the question, putting them on hold, reiterating the question and, and hearing the answer and then reiterating the answer, it's almost like solidifying that information in your mind a little bit further. Yes, exactly right. And, um, you know, most uh, companies, I think, can identify what questions are going to be on the other end of the phone line 90% of the time. So we give the new people who come in a list of those questions and answers right off the bat so that they're a little bit prepared. Yeah. And that's probably good too, because since they're repetitive, they get familiar with it much faster. So it's not, you're not hiring these pro golfers and finding a golf type job for them in the company. Right. Yeah. Mostly the, the things that they do don't have anything to do with what they did before. (laughs) And so how do you identify the right person. So you mentioned how important it is to get it right the first time. It's kind of yes. like marriage, right? Like yes. how, do you stay, how do you stay married for centuries and centuries, yes. <laughs> decades? Okay. We'll find the right person the first time. And yeah. so do you have key criteria that you check off in your head when you're interviewing someone? Or I believe at one time, you, you identify the right person in the form of wait staff at a restaurant you frequent, right? Yeah. So what are the things you consider? Well, in that particular case, for example, um, that person had a sparkling personality and was always on an even keel. No matter when I went in that restaurant and I went very frequently, her temperament was always the same. And that's something that we need in property management. We have to be unflappable in property management. (laughs) So, uh, and the same in the restaurant business. So a lot of, you know, customer service um, skills that are much the same. And so how do you approach someone who's not even looking to work for a property management company? (laughs) In that particular case, um, one day when she was waiting on me, I asked her, um, I engaged her in the conversation about how long she'd been there and how long she was doing that. And I asked her if she'd ever thought about doing anything else. And so she said, well, like what? And so I said, well, (laughs) like maybe property management. And of course, you know, when you say that, everybody thinks, oh, really? What does that mean? You know, they, they don't have any idea really what that involves, but it starts the conversation. And so we did have several other conversations following up after that, uh, that were out of the restaurant and away from the table. (laughs) And um, yeah, so um, here we are happily ever after. (laughs) Do you interview them after summer? I mean, Marie mentioned interviewing, but do you have a formal interview process after you approach them? I mean, you mentioned having conversations is an interview part of that. Yes. Um, I would say that you would call it an interview. It's um, probably a little different than uh, a typical interview, uh, you know, with the the typical interview questions. But um, I want to know how they will work in, uh, again, within our company culture. Um, I, I like to talk to them about you know, what their problem solving skills are. I like them to tell me about some times when they, um, you know, were challenged in their job, whatever the job is. 
um, you know, for the golf pro, it's, um, you know, was it somebody who was frustrated with his game and did some damage to something on the course or you know, whatever. <laughs> so once you get over that step of, okay, you've had the conversation, you've interviewed them, and then they're starting out. It's one thing for you to determine that they're a great fit for your team. It's another for them to also feel that, hey, I can see myself staying here for 30 plus years, right? <laughs> so how do you, what, what do you do to get them to feel that like they're in the right place, that it's something that they want to uh, do long-term. You, you mentioned in a previous conversation, understanding what each individual needs. Can you talk more about that? Yes. Um, in my previous life, before I was a real estate broker and a property manager, I was a teacher. And um, one of the skills that teachers have is evaluating students based on their individual skills and abilities and meeting their individual needs. So um, I pretty much transferred those skills to this job. And um, after the person has been here for a little while, I'm always asking them, you know, how do you like this? What do you like about it? Um, you know, do you like this better? Or do you like that better? Or what appeals to you? Um, I clearly uh, recall one particular situation where I thought that um, a person I had brought in uh, would make a great reservation agent in my vacation rental operation. And um, she had no intention of doing that and no interest in that at all. <laughs> but she's still with me today. She's my bookkeeper. <laughs> and so how do you, do you have a process? Like you have this conversation with each team member every six months, every year, are there just milestones? Like every two years that you've been with the company, you do this sanity check. I think it depends on the individual. Again, you know, back to those individual needs. Um, some people are just fine, um, you know, without a check-in for quite a stretch. Um, other people need to check in more frequently. So it depends on the individual. And, um, you know, I'm always watching and listening to see what their individual needs are. If they um, seem to be dissatisfied about some aspect of their job, what is that? And if I can um, keep my finger on the pulse of uh, what part of the job they're enjoying and what part they're not enjoying, we can restructure things a little bit to make it better for them. And I believe do you have any examples. Oh, I was just going to say, do you have any examples of how you've restructured things? Well, um, yes. Uh, in the case of the bookkeeper, for example, um, well, actually more than, more than just uh, the bookkeeper, there've been several people who um, had children while they were here. And so, for example, when somebody has a baby, um, you know, whether it's a man or a woman, um, they um, have different needs all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. And so we've had situations where we um, structure the situation so that they can work from home more, or they can, um, when the baby is really small, they can bring the baby to work and things like that. So that would be an example. 
Thank you. Yeah. I was just going to ask um, or, or say, I believe uh, in the previous conversation, you also talked about compensation and that you feel like you compensate your employees higher than most property management companies. In fact, <laughs> yeah, in fact, you said that profit coach even thought so too, that yes. you <laughs> overcompensate your, your people money-wise. Yes. So um, can you talk more about that and how you balance that with profitability? Yes. Um, I do think that I probably um, compensate my employees um, probably some of the highest compensation in the country for what they do. And um, that's okay because again, you know, I trade longevity for compensation, but I mean, it's just a math problem. So, you know, we have to work out the math. If I'm spending money on compensation for employees, then I can't spend it other places. Um, but we are um, a very profitable company and so it's a, it's a balancing act. But interestingly enough, I will tell you that um, I, uh, when I knew I was gonna do this, I asked one of my employees to tell me um, what it is they valued the most. And um, surprisingly, the answer wasn't compensation. Um, surprisingly, the answer was flexibility. And so I was, I was surprised, well, I, I wasn't really surprised because that's one of the hallmarks I think of um, being employed here is that we do offer flexibility. But for the most part, everybody works when they wanna work, the hours they wanna work, um, they work from home or they work here at the office as much as they want. They, um, I don't think I've ever um, said no to any requests for any time off. Um, and interestingly enough, I don't think they take enough time off. I think they could probably take more and it would be a healthier situation for them. <laughs> I wish they'd take more, but, um, but whatever, whatever time off they need, we make it work, whatever it is. So I think the flexibility is important to them. I think that the compensation is uh, important, but I think also the fact that um, we treat people like family um, I actually do have some family working here, so, so everybody gets treated like family. And um, I, I think they know that I value their opinions. I ask them for their opinions a lot. And um, gosh, I've loaned them money when they needed it. Um, I've helped them buy cars and houses. And so they, I think they like it here. <laughs> Yeah, it seems like you're really just there for them and, and trying to give them whatever they need, which in my opinion is a sign just of a really good business owner, but also just management in general. Um, it's like when you give people, when you give them a little bit, they give back a lot. Um, and if there's a saying for it, but I think that's right. And I think that when I think that I do try to give them what they need, because certainly they are willing to give back to me and to the company, um, and they have tremendous loyalty and I'm so grateful for that. Yeah. How does that translate into owner retention? Um, we retain our owners. Uh, I think it does translate. I think the whole philosophy of the business and the company culture does transcend into owner relations. 
And um, we don't typically lose owners because they're looking for a better deal somewhere or because they're dissatisfied with our service. Um, owners leave our management because they sell their properties or because they move into their houses themselves, um, but they don't leave because of dissatisfaction. And I remember you mentioned the idea of outrageous service or outrageous customer service that each person in your team kind of lives by. And it's almost like a game, right? Can you share with our audience members a bit more about what that is exactly? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So years ago, there were um, some uh, books written by uh, an author named T. Scott Gross. And um, the books are um, surrounding the idea of providing positively outrageous service. And the idea is that um, you uh, go the extra mile to do the unexpected and to um, provide great service as a result. And um, somebody asked, I was on a, a group chat the other day and somebody asked for an example of Um, how we provided uh, positively outrageous service. And this particular example had to do with a a tenant, Um, but I'll give you the example. Um, It was Thanksgiving and uh, the tenant's oven was not working and the tenant was trying to prepare Thanksgiving dinner. And um, so we sent the, we we actually had a repairman uh, available on Thanksgiving day and we sent him to tell us what was wrong with the oven. And he did diagnose the problem, but he said, Jan, I can't get the part until Monday because the parts house is closed. And he said, this oven needs a part, it's not gonna work. And so I went and got the tenants turkey and took it to my house and cooked it for them. (laughs) So that's, I think that's, um, you know, an example of positively outrageous service. you know, I don't know how many years ago that was, but I'm sure that story is still getting told somewhere. And um, people don't forget those things. Uh, you know, it's kind of interesting in this, and, and that was years ago, but in this day and age, I think that um, somebody asked me the other day, you know, what kinds of things we do for our owners. And I thought about that and I said, you know, the owners like it because I answer my phone. And I really don't think answering the phone is such an outrageous gesture of customer service, but apparently it is to some people. So, um, so I do answer my phone <laughs> and my owners like that. Do you find anyone abusing the privilege of having a direct contact to you? You know, if I, if I do, um, I know how to sort of circumvent that and get them to the person who can most help them or get them to somebody else. Or if I can't, um, you know, if I just don't have the time right that second, um, I know how to gently put them off until a time when I can be more attentive to them. But um, no, everybody pretty much, I mean, they have my phone number and um, my phone number is all over the internet. (laughs) Anybody who wanted to call me can call me. So it's fine. One other thing that I do for my owners that they particularly like is that I write them a newsletter every month and um, it comes with their statement. 
and it's not a it's not a fancy newsletter it's not you know formatted in a newsletter format or anything it's just a just an email that goes with the statement that tells them what's going on in the marketplace and um, you know what I see happening uh, I'm an investor myself so I write it you know mostly from the investor's standpoint and um, I think that even though um, they could just hit reply and reply back to me. They, not very many of them do, but they still feel like they've had a conversation with me because I write that email. Well, it might even seem a little bit more personal since it's not in a flashy newsletter format. I think it absolutely does. That's cool. Uh, Going back to kind of in the realm of, um, employees and profitability again. When we spoke to me to you last time, you mentioned that you've actually helped establish businesses or property management businesses with some of your other employees. Given you're in such a small community, how are you able to do that without um, cannibalizing your own profits, I guess? Yes. Well, and so, um, yeah, what you're referring to is the fact that I have, um, trained, well, let's see, my, my restaurant person and my, um, my uh, nail salon technician. Um, and um, let's see, um, oh, the third one was a real estate salesperson, um, all started their own businesses, and I helped them do that. And um, I, I did cannibalize my own um, my own portfolio in order to do that. Because of course, you know, somebody who works for another broker can't just go out and start a property management business from scratch. I mean, they'll starve to death. So I did um, actually lease them the accounts and uh, which meant, you know, that they had a little fee coming back to me, Um, but they took on the management and um, eventually were able to start their own businesses on their own. And I love that. Um, and you're right, this is a small area, uh, but there's enough business out there for everybody and um, it's fine. I love that mindset. How did that come about? Did somebody, was it your idea or did one of your employees say, hey, I'm kind of thinking I wanna do this and you thought it was an excellent idea and you came up with the lease back or what does that look like? Well, it kind of was my idea from the standpoint that they are younger than I am and I'm not gonna do this forever. So I felt like I needed to sort of train the next generation. I, you know, feel kind of, great that the next people up to the plate have been trained by me. So, (laughs) and I actually have two more that I'm working on right now. So they'll eventually be five. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and especially since it sounds like you have such good relationships with your property owners, it would be a shame to sell the portfolio to somebody you don't know and completely change their experience. So now it's kind of like, it was a very easy transition. Um, Uh, we work on a portfolio management system here anyway. So I was able to simply say to the owners, okay, you know, your, your manager is now going to start his or her own business. And I'm going to be right there in the background, um, you know, as a cheerleader for everybody. And if there's a problem, I'll be there. And, 
I don't think there was a single owner who said, no, I don't want to do that. Do you think that this strategy also helps support employee retention because the other employees in the company are seeing you help nurture um, businesses for the other team members? I think they see it as part and parcel of the whole nurturing situation that exists here as part of our company culture. Um, they know that I am here for them, whatever they need. And so, you know, if it's starting a business, if it's, I don't know what, getting married or whatever, whatever it is, <laughs> buying a house or, you know, whatever it is, I'm going to be there for them and they can, they can ask me for help if they need it. That's amazing. And employee loyalty is definitely something that some businesses can only aspire for. Well, I've been very fortunate that um, as I have helped the property managers start their own businesses, that tremendous loyalty has remained. There have been a few instances where we become acutely aware that a prospect, a prospective owner is interviewing more than one of us. <laughs> and so, um, I have heard my, um, I've heard my former employees say to a prospect that Jan trained me. She taught me everything I know, and and I I am very willing to say to a prospect, <clears throat> you know, no matter who you choose, you know, if you choose me to manage your property, or you choose one of these others that I have trained, you won't be wrong. So it'll all be fine. <laughs> it's so interesting because in, in one sense, it's a different way of thinking about grabbing market share, right? It's like to you, because these other companies kind of sprung out from your main company, you still consider it kind of, you know, it's the same. Like you can't go wrong choosing either um, management from my company or the companies that are started off through my former employees. And it's like, you get in that way, you're able to get full market share basically, rather than, you know, you try to hamper the dreams of employees who maybe have dreams of starting your own businesses, right? So then even if you support them or not, they're probably going to do it anyway. So why not support them, why right? Not? And yeah. continue being, you know, exactly. friends. Yeah. Um, it's, I think it is um, just a question of how fulfilled do you want to be? And I am so fulfilled by the, this way of doing business um, you know, I think that some people grow for growth's sake. Um, some people grow their businesses just because they want to see how big they can get. Um, that's just not me. I, I grow um, so that I can help other people do great things. And again, I'm not going to do this forever. So there's, there's got to be some people that do it after I get done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like that goes back to the whole idea of just in property management. So often there's this mentality of grow doors, grow profits. But with you, it's kind of like 
that that's all that's all fine and dandy that's great but why am i here why do i want to do this it's not just about that um and i think it's it's just a really good message to send to people that you there's not one way to do things or there's not one goal that every single property management company or business owner is trying to achieve. Um, Absolutely true. And, you know, my way is not for everybody. I mean, my way is not for the people who are trying to um, grow as many doors as they can and to be as big as they can and make as much money as they can. Um, I think for, for me, um, it has always been important to know how much is enough. And I have, I have been at that place of having enough for a very long time. And so because I have been at the place that where enough is enough, then it allows me to live the quality of life I want and to facilitate other people doing the same thing. And, and I can just tell from talking to you that you're just happy and I believe a lot of that has to do with knowing when and how to be content. I believe there are individuals that kind of lose track of what makes them happy. And this tri- this pursuit of like this endless pursuit of, I just want to keep growing because what else am I supposed to do? Sometimes could end up becoming the source of unhappiness because you're never content. It's like, okay, I got full market share of my town, but then there's always another town. And then there's always another state. And, you know, like Mm -hmm. if you lose sight of when is enough, then you end up getting burnt out and, you know, just being unhappy. Well, and I think you have to ask yourself, you know, what is my, what is my reason for existing here in the property management space? Is it just to grow doors? And, you know, it's kind of like when we were, when we were 15, we couldn't wait to be 16 so we could drive the car. And when we were 18, we couldn't wait to be 21 so we could drink in a bar. And, you know, it just goes on and on, you know, and you have to just sort of ask yourself, well, am I going to live my whole life, you know, waiting for the next milestone? Or can I just be happy and be rewarded intrinsically um, with what I have? And um, you're right, I'm a happy person. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for all the wonderful advice and wisdom and the really interesting stories that you've shared with us today. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you. And that's all we have for today's episode of the Property Management Show brought to you by Four and Half. Since 2012, we have been helping property managers get more owner leads through marketing from websites, SEO, content, reputation, paid ads, you name it, we do it. Visit fourandhalf.com to learn more. That's F-O-U-R-A-N-D-H-A-L-F.com. As usual, feel free to send us your feedback, comments, thoughts by emailing marketing at fourandhalf.com. And if you are enjoying our show, please consider leaving us a rating or review on the listening app of your choice. Thank you and see you next time.